Well, we are beginning this weekend a four-week message series on identity. Because, you see, how we see ourselves is at the root of just about every issue that we deal with. Mark Driscoll, in his really good book, Who Do You Think You Are?, says this. He says, for years, I pastored and counseled people struggling with issues such as alcoholism, sexual perversion, pride, depression, anger, bitterness, and more. Often I felt as though I were talking to a wall because though I gave biblical counsel, many people seemed to either not hear or not care and instead continued down a path of destruction. It was frustrating and heartbreaking. I felt there had to be a way to help people find freedom. And then, thanks in large part to the wise words of older and more seasoned counselors, it dawned on me that underlying our struggles in life is the issue of our identity. The world's fundamental problem is that we don't understand who we truly are. Children of God, made in His image. And instead, we define ourselves by any number of things other than Jesus. Only by knowing our false identity apart from Christ in relation to our true identity in Him can we rightly deal with and overcome the issues in our lives. You see, we all operate out of our sense of our identity. Not the truth, not what's true, but out of what we perceive to be true about ourselves. And that's why it's so important that we understand who we are in Christ. You see, there is this discrepancy between how we view ourselves and who God says we are. But if we are in Christ, if we are saved through the precious blood of Jesus, then God says we are sons and daughters. We are kingdom citizens and royal priests. We are servants and worshipers and we are disciples and missionaries. And over the course of these next four weekends, we're going to talk about each of those things. But this first one, that we are sons and daughters, is so important because many of us are living out lies that we believe about ourselves Due to our parents. Pastor Steve spoke on Father's Day weekend just a few weeks ago about father wounds. And I know that's a big issue for a number of us. See, because of a father's abandonment, we believe that we aren't worthwhile. Or because of a dad's rejection, we feel we aren't something to be prized. Because of a dad's abuse, we feel we aren't precious and valuable. Or because of our father's neglect or disinterest, we feel that we aren't worth loving. A few years, well, a number of years now back, I did a women's uh, study on the book of Always Daddy's Girl. It's a book by Norm Wright that's probably been out of print for 20 years. I don't know. It's a long time ago. But um, excellent book. And uh, for uh, just a number of weeks, we took biblical truths that Norm Wright addresses in that book, and we dealt with those things related to issues of our dads. 
And I was amazed just week after week after week. Here was this room full of beautiful, talented, smart, highly capable women. And yet that's not the way they viewed themselves. All relating back to issues with their fathers. We do encounter weekends here where we go away for the weekend and we deal with the freedom that's rightfully ours by being in Christ and the, the way that the enemy gets strongholds and footholds in our lives. And one of the things that we deal with on that weekend are curses. That because of things that people say, and a lot of times it's primarily because of things that our parents said, we see ourselves as stupid or lazy or good for nothing or any number of other lies. If you've seen the Broadway musical Wicked, in it, Glenda makes this statement to Elphaba that I think is very insightful. She says to her after Elphaba shares something very painful from our past, Glenda says, just because that's your secret doesn't mean it's true. And then she goes up next to her ear and she goes, Ooh, pew! <laughs> if only it were that easy to get rid of the lies, right? Well, what does God have to say about us and who we truly are if we're in Christ? Well, if you haven't done so, reach in your celebration folder and pull out the message notes. And what I've given you is all the scriptures that I'm going to use this morning. There's many more on this topic. But I want you to have those scriptures and I want you to review those scriptures this week as we try to write the lies that we believe, that we live by. But John has this to say, that first scripture right there in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. This is what God has to say about who we truly are. John says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. That if you are in Christ... God says, you are his loved child. And John even emphasizes it by saying, that's what we are. That God not only loves us, he has lavished his love on us. And so you're not stupid or cheap are worthless, are unloved, are unwanted. You are the loved son or daughter of the Most High God, the one true King. That's who you are if you're in Christ this morning. Well, Matthew West has a great song on this called Hello, My Name Is. And I think this little video clip helps us get our minds around this trap of the lies we listen to instead of the truth. So let's watch this together. Whoa! Hello, my name is Regret. I'm pretty sure we have met. Every single day of your life, I'm the whisper inside that won't let you forget. 
Hello, my name is Defeat. I know you recognize me. Just when you think you can win, I'll drag you right back down again till you've lost all belief. Oh, these are the voices. Oh, these are the I could probably just quit right now, couldn't I? Yeah, don't you wish, right? Well, I hope um, that you got the emotional impact of those words um, as we listen to that right there. But I think Matthew West just does such a great job of capturing spiritual truths in, uh, in this song. So I'm going to play it again, and this time with the lyrics. And I want you to hone in especially to the truth of the lyrics. So let's watch it again, okay? Whoa!
my name is regret I'm pretty sure we have met Every single day of your life I'm the whisper inside That won't let you forget Hello, my name is Defeat I know you recognize me Just when you think you can win I'll drag you right back down again Till you've lost all belief Oh, these are the voices Oh, these are the lies And I have believed in For the very last time Hello, my name How many of you can relate to listening to those voices, to those lies? Well, let's explore a little exactly what this means to be the son or daughter of the one true king, the most high God. Well, I think first and foremost, it means that you are accepted and loved. Following Jesus' baptism, we read these words in Matthew chapter 3, starting with verse 16. It says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. 
And at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. This is my Son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. You're my Son. That's identity. And I love you. That's your value. That's your worth. And I'm well pleased with you. That's God's joy and his delight. How do you think Jesus felt when he heard these words from his father? Maybe you don't think of Jesus in that light as having real emotions, but he does. How do you think he felt when he heard these words from his father? And I think the order of these words is very important. I mean, did you notice that identity and acceptance come before achievement and work? Identity and acceptance come before any, any ministry accomplishment. Jesus hasn't done anything yet. He's just starting his earthly ministry. You know, so often we think that God will be pleased with me because of what I do. That's not true. He's pleased with you because of who you are. You know, as a Christ follower now for over 40 years, I strive to love people unconditionally. And sometimes I do, and sometimes I don't. Sometimes I have to work harder at it than I do at others. Some people require more effort than others, right? It's the truth. But you know, I can honestly say that there are two people that I love without condition and have since the day they were born. I don't have to muster it up. I don't have to work really hard at it. I just love Joanna and Joel, my daughter and son. And I have done so since the moment I saw their pruny little bodies. <laughs> and I can't imagine anything that they could ever do that would change that. Maybe think about your own children if you have them. And I know this isn't everyone's experience. But I just wonder if this is true for me, such a far inferior parent that I am, if I can feel this way, how much more our perfect heavenly father. I mean, most of us love our children from the minute they poke their head into this world, right? But do you realize you were never less competent on any day of your life than on the day that you were born? On that day, you were weaker, slower, dumber, slimier, uglier, less coordinated, had a lower IQ, and were a bigger nuisance than on any other day of your existence. And yet, I fell irrevocably in love on those two days. 
So how about you, if you're a mom or dad? And again, if I could feel this way, how much more our Heavenly Father about us? And if you weren't the beneficiary of that basis of internal felt worth due to the wounding of an inferior earthly parent, please know this. That you have a heavenly father, if you are in Christ, who loves and accepts you that way. John says this in John chapter 1 verse 10 and following. He says, he, talking about Jesus, was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. And yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Now, let me do some important clarifying here. Because if you've been listening to me very closely, you've noticed that I've used qualifiers all throughout this. I've continually said, if you are in Christ. And that's significant. Because there is this mistaken notion by a lot of people that we are all children of God. That we're born that way. But that is simply not what the Bible teaches. We all bear his image. But we are not his children. Look again at verse 12 and 13, what I just read there. It, it says in John 1, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. To those who received him, to those who believed in him. He gave the right. He gave the opportunity to become. It's not automatic. Well, let's talk about this. And let me start with the bad news first. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. Paul gives us all of our human condition. Here's where we are. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. And all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its evil desires and thoughts. And like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. You may want to circle that phrase. We were by nature deserving of wrath. We are not naturally the recipients of God's blessings. No. Instead, because of sin, Paul tells us, all of us, that's what he says there in verse 3, all of us are born under God's wrath. That is our natural condition. We deserve the wrath of God. But listen to what God does about that. 
John chapter 8, back in the book of John, starting in verse 31, John says, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, well, we're Abraham's descendants. We've never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? And Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. You see, we enter this world slaves to sin. Under the wrath of God. That's our natural condition. But did you notice that little part at the end of verse 35? He says, now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. And so verse 36, and so if the son, capital S, Jesus, if the son sets you free, you will be free Indeed. You see, here's the good news. That's what gospel means, good news. Here's the good news, that though we're born, our natural condition, how we come out of the chute is, we are born at odds with God. But here's what God does. To not only, listen to me, to not only forgive us of our sins, but to adore adopt us as his children into his family. You see, through Jesus' death, he gives us the opportunity, he says here, to be set free and to not only experience forgiveness, but to be adopted as sons and daughters. One more passage, Galatians chapter 4. Listen, Paul makes this even clearer. Starting in verse 3, he says, So also, when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, capital S, Jesus, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the adoption to sonship. You see, friends, God doesn't just forgive your sins to the point where you could be accepted as a servant or a slave. No, he adopts you as his son or daughter. Listen to me, no other world religion offers that. No other. Every other religion is this. Hey, if you, I'll accept you as a servant. If you work hard enough, you might incur my favor. If you do enough, you might appease God. But Christianity says through the shed blood of Jesus on the cross, you have the opportunity to go from being the enemy of God to being the son or daughter of the one true king. 
That is just amazing. What a God, huh? Listen, he goes on, verse 6. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son, capital S, Jesus, into our hearts. And the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So that you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Circle that word heir. Because here's what that means. It means that all of the blessings that only Jesus deserves are now yours. If you are in Christ, what a God. So I think there's only two questions in response to all of this. I think the first one is this. Have you taken the step to receive Jesus' work on the cross? To pay for your sins? To make you right with God? And to accept his invitation into the family of God. Do you know that you've done that? That you've bowed your knee to Jesus as your Savior and Lord? Are you sure that you're sure that you're sure that you've done that? If you aren't, or that you know you've never done that, don't leave here today without talking to someone who will make that clear to you. And to give you the opportunity to become the son or daughter of the one true king. Come to one of our prayer partners when we're, when we're worshiping here in just a minute and say, hey, would you, I'm, I'm not sure or I don't know, would you help me know how to, how to take this step to bow my knee to Jesus? Or, or turn to someone next to you and if they don't know, then take them and go to somebody else. Find somebody who will make it clear to you that you can receive that right, that opportunity that's yours, that's made possible through the shed blood of Jesus to become the son or daughter of the one true king. Have you done that? But then the second question I think is also important. A second question is for those of us who have done that, who were clear on that, whether that was last week or 40 some years ago like it was for me. For those of us who have done that, here's the question for us. Are you living in the reality of your identity of who you are in Christ? The son or daughter of the one true king. Are you living in that reality? Well, let me pray for us. Father God, I'm, again, just overwhelmed at your love for us. Thank you, Jesus, for coming, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you, Father, for welcoming me into the family of God, an heir with Jesus, that all the blessings that only Jesus deserves are mine because of who I am in you, Jesus. Lord, I pray for the person here who, who's not sure that they've taken that step. Lord, give them the courage to take that step today. To know that they are crystal clear that they have started that relationship with you. 
And I pray also, Lord, for those of us who've taken that step, but that who, who are so overwhelmed so often by the lies that we believe, that we miss living in the reality of who we are in you, Jesus. And so give us the courage to take the steps today, this week, to live more and more in the reality of who we are, the child of God sons and daughters of the one true king, the most high God. Jesus, help us. I pray it in your name. Amen. Amen.